Ha ha ha. Hey, security peeps. We have the crew here today. I am super excited. I'm Renee Small. This is the Breaking Into Cybersecurity Podcast Special Edition. And we have fabulousness in the building today. We have some of my friends, dear friends. First of all, let me introduce my co-host, Chris Folon. Say hi to everyone. Hey, everyone. So everyone probably already knows that Chris, even though he's like a mini recruiter, even though he's a cyber person, he's the one always connecting us with people. So that's Chris. Chris also is doing career coaching and all that good stuff. Then I'm going to go to the middle. Danny Barker, say hi to everybody, Danny. Hello. Danny is recruiter extraordinaire down in Dallas, right? Yes. Dallas, Texas, and she recruits for all over the place. So we work together closely. Love Danny. <laughs> I got my buddy, my pal, my brother from another mother, Layton Holcomb. Say <laughs> hey to everyone, Layton. Hello. So Layton is here, and he also, we have worked together. Layton, as you all know, probably, and if you haven't, does a t- of recruiting has been in this space in the cybersecurity space for forever um and then third brother from another mother (laughs) alex henry say hi to everyone alex hey good afternoon all so alex is a cyber recruiter that i met back when we were um working together at verizon so this is the dream team of cybersecurity recruiters and we are here to answer all your questions because we want to help you get opportunities. So if any recruiter wants to jump in before the the questions start coming with any tips that you have, anything that as a recruiter you see and you want people to know as they're looking during these tumultuous times, jump in and just shoot and let us know, you know, give us some examples of things that recruits need to know as they're going through this process. Anybody? Yeah, I would just, uh, I'll, I'll start it off. Um, I would say at this point, um, you know, to really focus on industries that are, you know, unfortunately thriving in, in, in this time, right? So there are a lot of industries right now that, that need people more than ever. Um, so maybe it's not directly related to the industry that you, you are coming out of, um, but, you know, give give some other, you know, industries that are, that are now kind of, you know, hiring heavy uh, a shot uh, and there may be some opportunities with within those spaces. Yep. Great points, especially like Amazon. Um, there's some some industries and some um, organizations that are just hiring in droves. Right. cards hiring in droves. So while they're hiring personal shoppers, they'll probably also need cyber people to um, ensure their infrastructure as well. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, Amazon is hiring recruiters. I know that. (laughs) 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 They've reached out to some of us more than once. (laughs) Uh, One thing I would... Uh, that keeps coming up from hiring managers. Uh, number one problem uh, when people, the newer folks that are getting wanting to break into cybersecurity, you are tempted to embellish. It will not get you a job. You will be found out. You will be vetted out. 
don't embellish share share everything that you've done especially if you've got a virtual lab on the side uh, that you've done programming any type of programming uh, web or otherwise uh, any any scripting that you've done any Python that you've learned especially issues like Python uh, and uh, subdomains of cyber that you have expertise in that you don't list on your uh, resume like CyberArk and uh, some of the firewalls, like some people have been in firewall forever, but they don't mention that they that they've done Palo Alto for four or five years. And if you say that, that will get you jobs that I know of. Uh, you'll, it'll get you a look quicker by those that are looking for those. Uh, and we do still look at keywords. So don't embellish. Tell the truth. Even if you're below what's being asked for, if you're a truth teller and you have a another thing online. If your social media footprint shows you as being negative constantly, you'll be in trouble when it comes time to Amen. make a hiring decision. Yep. Stay positive, even if you're not. That is such a good point. Chris and I talked about that when last week. Where... Yeah, a couple, couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Chris, you want to tell your story? Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw someone that was um, constantly saying that they, they weren't getting good calls. So I, I reached out and I offered them the ability to spend 30 minutes to do a mock interview, to look over their resume and propose a time that I was free. Um, and that would still be appropriate for their time zone. And they're like, oh no, that's the time recruiters call me to give me bad news. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying to offer you help. So if you want it, I can give it to you. And you're like, oh, no, I'm too busy right now. I'm like, okay, works for me. Yeah, so if we're trying to help you out, you know, if we see you out there kind of flailing around and we're offering to help, uh, we really do want to help. That's why we're all here. We're taking the time out to help out the community. So the questions are coming in. Oswald is asking, I'm looking for a job related to privacy and data protection Finish the SMSC in Tilburg, uh, NL. I don't know what. I, I don't know. It, it sounds like it, his master's in computer science in Holland. It looks like. Okay, and that's law and tech. So, are in. I don't know if anyone is working on anything internationally. I know we're all in. We're all U.S. based. But um, any tips for him? Well, I, I'll start off by saying. Um, Security and compliance surrounding privacy data is big right now. You have GDPR. A lot of companies don't understand that. Um, with the push to um, telemedicine, you're going to have healthcare providers that are going to need guidance on how to do that and how to stay in compliance there. So it's definitely becoming uh, a major thing. It's been in Europe for several years. And then now in the States, you have Washington, California, um, New York, New Jersey, uh, Massachusetts, that are all coming out with their own privacy laws. So um, if that's your area of specialty, specialty um, put yourself out there. But it's a, it's a very special niche. So you have to keep that in mind when you're looking for roles. Sweet. And he is in the Netherlands. That's what NL stood for. There, are, I, I will say there are a number of jobs that are uh, going to be coming ripe in the GCC region, especially, especially in Dubai. Uh, and I personally won't handle those, but I have friends that do. And so they're, they are available. They're, they're interested in people like you. 
Um, so you may want to reach out generically to us and ask for an introduction to someone that is looking uh, for your type of person. Sweet. Oswald, connect with Leighton. Then Alicia Kunda says, got a master's degree, however, no experience and not getting any feedback on my job applications. And he's a junior cybersecurity consultant. You may need to take a uh, help desk position to begin with, uh, preferably at a large company uh, that offers those type of, types of positions so that uh, you get seen and noticed for your hard work and then move uh, horizontally and vertically through a company. Uh, it, to start out in cyber, I, I've got I've got four boys. Uh, the third son, the second and third one, uh, did have trouble both breaking in. Um, second son, he just had to stay at it, and he kept moving. He'd get a he'd get a job, and he'd move. Preston won't mind me uh, sharing about him. He and uh, he would move before going through a full life cycle of of showing his abilities. In other words, by a life cycle, I mean a full year. Stay wherever. If you do get an entry-level job, stick with it. Eat noodles for a year. Show your ability to stay somewhere and go through what I call uh, a full life cycle on on dealing with stuff, getting a review by your uh, peers and also uh, those that you report to, and being able to show that um, you've been able to stick at something and learn uh, the tr what works and what doesn't work, uh, preferably from a large corporation, and then and then uh, move sideways in that corporation or offer your skills elsewhere. But uh, these folks that move every three months, uh, hiring managers, even though it's sort of common to do that, hiring managers still, even though they see it as being common, they they have a hard time interviewing people that have moved uh, six times in two years. I'd also add, in order to be effective to secure an infrastructure, you have to know how it works. So just knowing the theory of how to secure something, but not having any actual experience in that sort of technology or that sort of infrastructure um, makes it harder for you to describe how you would tackle a situation or how you would walk into a situation. So I think that's why Leighton's um, recommendation is so valid. So transitioning from another role in IT, it becomes easier um, <clears throat> unless if you're, if you're going to try to break fresh in, it's likely not going to be a technical role. It, it would be a marketing role. It would be a, a policy role. It, it would be something where um, having background knowledge isn't critical. In addition, if you do try to go for one of those analyst positions, I would recommend highly, you know, having definitely having your own um set up at home you need to be able to talk to whatever it is they're asking for if you want to go that route um, because there are some roles that are out there um, but you got to think about how much competition there is for those handful of cybersecurity analyst positions so if a company a huge company like a GE or an Amazon or one of these really big companies have those entry-level roles out there you're competing against hundreds of people 
So, you know, it's definitely not an easy road. People have gotten through it. That's why we have this this uh, podcast. We've heard from people who have actually broken in and gotten into a cybersecurity role directly. However, it took them months. It took a long time. They networked. They went to um, all kinds of conferences, online and off. Well, now it's all online. So your online conferences, heavy networking in the community, um, it just is not an easy road and getting, unfortunately, um, just having the education is not the, um, you know, the be all end all. So, okay. Yeah. I was just, I was just going to add, you know, utilize LinkedIn as much as you can. Right. So if you're not networking heavy on LinkedIn, um, make sure to do that. Um, you know, join groups, you know, find someone in the space that you're interested in and, you know, reach out to them. You know, you might be able to get a mentor that way, um, but you, you can't stop networking. It's, um, you know, especially in this day and age, you know, LinkedIn is, is really how you're going to reach, um, you know, from coast to coast, you know, the folks that, that are in your space and potentially can help you out. And, and don't forget about Twitter as well. There's a, a lot of um, subculture roles that um, if you're in the scene will only be advertised on Twitter. Um, especially for those in pen testing, application testing, you'll find that some of those companies only um, post their roles on Twitter to their following and not on LinkedIn. Yeah, and uh, most people need to understand that LinkedIn's not the end all be all, even though we're on it quite a bit. Um, there are so many different avenues. There's the Dallas Geek Meet. Um, I, I'm actually located in Dallas and I, feel free to send me a connection request anyone on this podcast but in dallas we have the dallas geek meet we've got cybersecurity uh different meets as well um once you know we can start meeting in person but we do have online things um but do not expect that you are just going to jump into a three hundred thousand dollar cybersecurity role that's not going to happen you need the experience so um everybody has to start somewhere and don't give up you still keep applying keep interviewing be positive and, um, you know, link together. This is what cybersecurity is all about is we all link together. And this is why we're trying to help everybody with understanding the different rows of going in and out of trying to work through it. Great point, Danny. Um, another thing I wanted to add in Alicia K, she says she's in a similar position, She except she does security testing in her QA engineer role. And what I wanted to add on is if you are making a, a lateral move, or if you are in a company and you're like, I can't just, I went and I got a master's, I'm sitting as a developer, I'm sitting as some other role, a QA person, and you can't just quit your job and go either take an entry-level job or quit your job. You know, you need to make a, some, somewhat of a lateral move because that's a lot of people in the space right now. You definitely want to continue to do work on the side. So all of those side projects, anything you could pick up and, you know, go volunteer in the security department of your company. Go volunteer at nonprofits and churches and these people that need security help. There's people out there that they don't, they, well, now they really know it. <laughs> they need they need the help. Um, and any of that volunteer work helps build up your resume so that you actually can say you touch and you did the thing. You're not talking about it in theory. You're actually, you did it. You did whatever it is that you can put on your resume to say, you know, yeah, I'm a QA tester at, in a day, but at night and on the weekends, this is all the additional work that I'm doing. 
So that's just another tip for this, um, you know, trying to get in there. And on a similar subject, there's like hack the boxes that you can show that you have experience in. There's bug bounties for those that like to get down deep in code that you can set, you can show your show your worth by saying these are the, the, the amounts of bug bounties that you've solved and things like that. And that's public because that show they, you show in the ranking and you show the, the number of bugs that you solved. So if you're applying for that type of role, that shows that you have experience in that field. Yep. Okay. So tons of questions. Okay. Ajo says, is this time even worth it to seek an entry level cybersecurity opportunity? I know they're very hard to find, if not almost impossible. What are your thoughts? Also, for an entry-level candidate to get an entry-level cyber analyst or SOC analyst role, what should I do for certs? Working on my Security Plus now, already have almost three years on the IT operations side. Well, if you have three years on IT operations, after Security Plus, I'd go after a uh, SSCP. Uh, it's on the way to a, a CISSP. Um, and if, if you've got the the years behind you uh, at least a year of experience i would go to after that next as a as a um, as a step between uh, security plus and uh and the cissp down the road uh which is at five years or more of experience um there are all types of areas that you can subdomains of cybersecurity. um I didn't bring my subdomain map with me today to throw up on the screen, but uh, we can all attest to the fact that there are so many different ways that you can go besides just pen testing or help desk. You can get into a SOC to begin with as a junior SOC analyst. Uh, those are getting set up all over the planet. Uh, everybody's setting up SOCs these days. or They call them different things, fusion centers and innovation centers. Uh, everybody's Everybody's got... Uh, larger companies do have them that they're setting up the MSSPs out there. Um, and so watch for those other jobs. You can do virtual meetups also. Uh, right now, everybody's distancing themselves, but these social meetups that are available, uh, even training academies, uh, there's one in Colorado Springs, and the, uh, they have a, an offshoot in Tampa and a couple other uh, cities. Those training academies, some of them are very friendly. Even if you can't uh, afford to a attend them and get searched through them, they will network with you. Some of their members will network with you, some of their trainers, and invite you to virtual workshops uh, to where you meet others that are employed and you can ask about what's available. The rubbing elbows with others that are in the field that understand your pain is absolutely necessary. Don't do this alone. Yes, he's absolutely right. Okay, tons of questions coming in. Jeremiah Parker says, Christopher, I definitely take the help. LOL, I'm not too busy. I realize I don't have experience. And he's, he's making a point about you reaching out to people when the people were... Um, you know, we were saying they were angry. Uh, he's saying he has some education, spent his life learning, working from home, help desk jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And he's currently working at FedEx as a package handler part-time. So, you know, he's getting super discouraged too. So be encouraged, folks. Be encouraged. China Haley is saying, I'm a fresher in the cyber nation in the Dallas area. So Danny, this is one for you. Have educational experience, looking for entry level. 
in the governance risk and compliance space. So, you know, pretty much same questions. Um, how does she get in? So we kind of gave you that. Uh, Andrew Miller, been in IT since 98, almost all in Asian companies. How far should you list experience on resumes for the U.S. market? Who wants to take that one? <laughs> it depends on the job. Uh, I would have more than one resume regarding the amount of experience you have. If you've got more than 20 years, uh, say 17, 17 plus, uh, I, I like, I like odd numbers. If you've got more than 20 years experience, don't, don't say that you've got 32 because there are some folks that behave badly as recruiters and, and it won't help you to list. I've got 32 and a half years. Um, I would not list more than 15 unless it asks for it. If it says 20 plus years of experience, I'd put that. If it says 15 years of experience, I'd put 15 plus. Um, and then let them find out the rest after they interview you. Um, don't go too far past what they're asking for. Just put a plus after it. That way you're not embellishing. Uh, you're not, or you're not, you're, you're not uh, fabricating anything. Just put that plus on there. Uh, to do the best you can to get somebody's attention. I would also add to that to, um, you know, if it's, if it's more than the 15, definitely put uh, additional, you know, if you have two pages is really enough for um, your resume and any additional roles you can put at the bottom additional experience, something so that people don't think like it just ends at 15 um, but if you're going back to 1982, you know, we don't, you, you don't need to list every single, you know, I was a graduate, I, I did an analyst job in Pricewaterhouse in 1984, and, you know, all those jobs, sometimes people list them all out. That's unnecessary. So. Yeah, me personally, I have 25 years of remote experience in recruiting. And when uh, someone talks to me about, uh, of being a contract recruiter for them, I just tell them I have 10 plus. Uh, and I, and I leave it at that. People look at 25 years and how in the world did he work remotely for 25 years? That's impossible. Well, they're wrong, but I, I'm not out to prove people wrong. I'm, I'm out to assist in, in recruiting uh, good candidates. And so if I see that some, I want to work with somebody uh, and they want eight years of experience, I'll put 10 plus and 10 plus remote and then let it go at that. Cool. So Hubert says, I develop exploitation on embedded systems and enterprise systems to teach engineers how exploitation takes place to increase awareness. The question is, what kind of job should he apply to? Exploitation on embedded systems and enterprise systems to teach engineers how exploitation takes place to increase awareness. I'll, I'll jump on that one. Um, you can look at um, malware analysis. You can look at... Um, IR because you want to you want to be able to follow the thread where things are going reverse engineering um, pen testing Th those are the types of roles where you would likely get access to an embedded system and especially in the um, ICS field you have a lot of companies that have embedded systems and um, industrial control systems that you can try to attack. Um, so that would probably be my advice. Cool. 
Raphael says, any advice for transitioning into cybersecurity leadership roles? I have two masters involved in medical device security, numerous cyber certs, but find some role descriptions list just about every item in cybersecurity. I'll take that one. So um, Raphael, you are right. Some of these roles do list a zillion, um, a zillion different uh, criteria and they want every scale under the sun. So the goal would be to really hone in on companies where you think your experience is needed. So if you have, if you're involved in medical device security, then which companies are either have medical devices, you know, maybe some of your prior clients, um, if you were in a consulting company, I'm not sure, but really, really targeting your search because especially if, you know, it's really easy to transition when it's, when you're doing medical device security and the person needs someone to do medical device security. It's gonna be trickier when you're or going into a leadership role, like maybe some medical device companies first CISO or you know, their first you know, deputy CISO or what have you, some leadership director level role um, or something in the medical industry as a whole. It's gonna be trickier if you took that experience and say, try to get like a leadership role in the automotive industry or something like that. So people tend to like people that have the industry experience. If you've worked on one of their competitors' products or something like that, they're going to be all over you. So think about all the medical device security, the products that you worked on, and then figure out kind of like, um, you know, reverse engineer how to get to their competitors and then how to um, get into any other medical. Um, I, I would target the medical industry as a whole. Yeah. And I would just I would just add um, to that, that you probably want to focus on medium sized companies, right? Because jumping into a leadership role in, in enterprise is probably not going to happen. So look for companies that are, you know, maybe a thousand employees less, um, you know, where you can get that uh, that leadership experience, you know, three, four years there. And then, you know, ultimately jump into some enterprise level if that's kind of the path that, that you have set for yourself. So Ajo asks, also one more question, can you flourish in cyber without programming and or coding? I'm one of those rare candidates who personally hates coding. I'd say it's surprisingly not rare. I'm one of those, um, not much <laughs> of a coder. So, I mean, you, you, you can focus on risk assessment, you can focus on policy, you can focus on training, you can focus on consulting, you can focus on marketing, that um, communications within cyber, there's so many different things that you can focus on that doesn't involve coding, but with industry trends going to everything as a code, infrastructure as a code, networking as a code, it will become beneficial to at least understand how some of the coding languages work. Um, a lot of people don't understand, but there are some transferable skills like in GRC, governance, risk, and compliance. And some of those people are not technical, as Christopher was talking about. So, um, you know, you might want to kind of delve into that, um, into that as a opportunity to, if you don't like coding, um, that's something to really look into. Auditing. Auditing, yeah. And then if you're in financial, um, an audit. That, that is actually a transferable skill that you can get into cybersecurity as well. 
many SAC analysts don't even have to code these days because uh, as long as you can follow through the, the alerts through the system, um, you don't have to do any coding. You just have to know what the logs are telling you. Um, I lost my thought. Okay, somebody, Amy, is wants to know what about students entering the workforce. So, Amy, we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier about people trying to break in as a whole. Leighton said, join, you know, jump in from a help desk perspective. Um, we also talked about the cybersecurity analysts' roles and really heavily networking in the industry. So, um, we got through a ton of questions. There's a lot of chatter on here. If there are any more questions, uh, HP says, what about, well, it's the same thing. <laughs> what about entry-level work experience without work experience? It's, uh, HP, we talked about it. Um, you know, when this is over, jump back in and listen to a bunch of our points on this, but really heavily networking on LinkedIn and making sure you're doing your volunteer efforts. Um, in cybersecurity, make sure that you have um, your home network set up and that you're really touching the keyboard. Like we don't want theory, hiring managers don't want theory. They want someone who actually is doing this stuff. So even at a super entry level, you know, the smallest project you can find, do it. I would also say find companies that you like and follow them. Um, some of the bigger companies within cybersecurity have their own communities built around them, uh, Discord channels, Slack channels, um, underground communities like that that you find out from following them. And by participating in those communities, you build that relationship and that network that will help you get in the door. Yeah. Um, I'd like to chime in about the importance of having a good clean resume. Um, I've noticed like some of the, some people think that you have to put a lot of, I call it jazz hands on it, uh, just too much stuff and pictures and, you know, things. Uh, I will tell you from, uh, you know, someone who works, name an ATS, an applicant tracking system, I pretty much have worked with it. Um, as a recruiter, we look at thousands of resumes. It needs to be clean uh, and scannable. Uh, and if it doesn't scan, you're going to get not, no one's going to call you. So please make sure that your resumes are really clean. Um, have, uh, I recommend a, a good company or, you know, a professional to really look at your resume or if you have a recruiter who has time, um, have them look at your resume and spend that time to put forth because you want to make sure that your foundation is good um, and you have all that pertinent information and it scans correctly um, so that when uh, the algorithms uh, scan it, it, you will be up at the top. So even if it's an entry-level position, um, it helps us because I know I get aggravated when I have to look all over a resume to try and find the key information on that resume. So your resume needs to be catered for each position that you're applying to as well. Um, some, some, probably one of the best one in the industry is Velvet Jobs. I highly recommend um, going to them. Um, and they also have a lot of jobs posted as well. So, um, you know, it, you know, we're having, I know Renee's awesome and Christopher and Alex and Layton, but we're only so many. So I recommend jumping in and, uh, you know, if you guys have time, get somebody else to help. Awesome, Danny. Um, how did, how to get recruiters to call you back when you've mentioned interest in a job they posted? Wolfgang, our friend Wolfgang, he was on the podcast some, some time ago. Go ahead, Layton. 
If you have our phone number, text us at about 4.30 hour time, 4.30 central, 5 o'clock central, 5.30 central, whatever, whatever. Those times uh, in, in the time zone that a recruiter is in. We do see your texts and we will eventually get back a hold of you especially if you keep asking we're very busy people i've got i've got 600 cybersecurity jobs that that i have access to more than that actually um and a lot of people are are asking for help we can't get to everybody i work on saturday mornings if you text me on a saturday morning more than likely uh i'm gonna call you back on early Saturday, uh, that's when my phone on incoming is not ringing, and I I do a lot of callouts, uh, a lot of uh, talking to people, initiating discussions on Saturday when it's quiet. Wolfgang, I hope I responded to your email. <laughs> and for those that are worried about um, with COVID happening, and there's a lot of. Uh, stopping for looking for jobs don't 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 think that's true because there's a lot of companies that are switching to being remote and are looking for more people specifically for that not to mention you have um a lot of government and not-for-profit that are looking for additional assistance um for volunteers if you have extra time they're, they're willing to to have volunteers to help during this time because they've lost people that couldn't have helped before. So there's always ways to get experience. You you just have to be creative in looking for them. Yeah, it's, go ahead, go ahead, Leighton. Speaking of remote, it, right now, a lot of positions that are listed as on-site will temporarily be remote. If you yeah. insist on coming on remote and staying remote, you will probably not get access to that position. Right now, employers are wise. Uh, most of them are wise. They understand the, the exposure issues. And if they need somebody on, especially in the federal sector, uh, in the past, uh, most recent past, the federal sector has been very rigid on most jobs about bringing people in uh, remotely. Right now, they aren't necessarily as rigid as they have been. And they will look at whether or not they can bring somebody on remotely for a few weeks to several weeks uh, and get them on board, get them trained so that when things loosen up, then you can go on site. But if you're insisting on being remote right out of the, and I've seen this way too much, right out of school, you want to be remote unless you're um, a king pen tester. Uh, those remote jobs right out of college are very, very hard to find. Yeah, I was going to also add in, and we'll probably do this on another one of these podcasts, but really talking about um, really having this community, the folks that are out there do kind of interviewing strategies, because it's going to be, it's a different ballgame now that you're all home, everyone is on Zoom calls and on Google Meets and what have you. And so getting prepared and situating yourself so that you look and sound professional on camera and that you can keep eye contact and, you know, just having that presence, that virtual presence is key as well as you interview during these times, which many of many of you may not have ever done. 
So, you know, just thinking about what's happening in the background of your, of your, you know, your office or your home office or your bedroom or wherever you are, you know, quietly trying to take that call and what's going on around behind you that could potentially be distracting. Um, again, keep your eye contact, things like that, making yourself very presentable to and very professional to your future employer um, is something that I'm hoping that we can dive into as we do more of these, if you all like these, which it seems like hopefully you do, um, and provide that kind of, kind of detail as well. So I know we are, Charles, is, Charles says, thanks for the practical advice. Charles always chimes in. So we are um, 35 minutes in, a little over 35 minutes in. Um, and it looks like we have gotten through almost all of the questions that are here. So I want to be cognizant of my team members' time. And um, wow, we get a couple of things saying that um, virtual, Raphael says virtual first impression. Dr. Shiler uh, says, you'd be surprised how many still request face-to-face -face interviews. Uh, I don't know who's requesting a face-to-face -face interview in a pandemic. Uh, that's kind of interesting. So in any event, any final keys or tips of success for folks? I will start with Leighton. Do not get discouraged. Uh, I like to use my sons as an example. Of, and I'll, I'll use this one and I'll say the name of the company, even though I recruit uh, most of my time is, is devoted to SAIC right now. Uh, Devin, who's also a recruiter with me uh, at my agency, he uh, he's going through uh, uh, online training uh, with uh, WGU for his bachelor's degree uh, in cyber. And he got a Security Plus and he's got an SSCP. And he was able to get an internship with IBM, and he's going to move across the country this June uh, to go ahead and work with them for three months. And while he's there, he's going to be looking for a job in Austin. Uh, one thing, don't assume that because things are the way they are, the social distancing, that those type of internships and opportunities will disappear. IBM, who recently, like a year, year and a half ago, they took a lot of the remote workers and, and went back brick and mortar with them again. But with this particular internship for Devin, they've decided to offer it remotely. And so they're going to, instead of dumping it, they've found a way to hang on to their uh, interns. And so people are becoming... Uh, more flexible. My guess is there will be a lot more remote jobs this coming year after this problem subsides than there were in previous years. Um, this kind of problem is not going to go away forever. It'll it'll come. We we will have another flu season, and wise folks know that. And so they're going to be uh, taking and transitioning permanently as many of their jobs as possible. I agree with that. I think I was talking to my mom yesterday and she said, whenever there's something that happens like this, it never shifts back to how it was. So some building that had, you know, thousands of employees in it. Now the employees have been working remotely for how many other months? Does it make sense to have that, to be paying that, that, you know, that real estate for those employees doing this work when they could easily be cutting that cost and having people at home? So 
I, I'm, I'm really curious as to what it looks like when this is all said and done and there will be more remote opportunities. Um, in addition to Layton's point, some of the companies that I'm working with right now too definitely are having remote internships um, and definitely are still actively hiring uh, remote and on site. Some of them, some of them are essential and do have to be on site. But there are opportunities out there. I'll echo what Leighton said. Definitely, just keep going. Keep connecting with folks on LinkedIn. Stay positive. You know, reach out to all of us. Seems like we're having fun, so we're gonna do this again. Um, and make sure that you are. You know, it's just pure attitude. Like. It's just know that you're going to get through this, know that we're all going to get through this and know that we will have, uh, there are opportunities out there. It's just finding the right one and finding the right fit for you. Chris wants to jump in. I was just going to say, use use this time to brush up on your skills. So while you're looking for another role, um, use Cybrary, use many of the other massive online communities that provide that educational platform, Peerless, um, Udemy, brush up on your skills, keep current. Um, don't use this as, as downtime, especially if you're looking for a role. So make your, be productive and make that your job to brush up yourself while looking for another job. Good point. Yeah. And I would just say, you know, to, to wrap it up and, you know, millennials, this is what you guys have been doing for years, right? Uh, tech heads, you know, using uh, using technology to to talk to each other from here to across the globe. So, um, you know, take advantage of, of you know the skills that you you you've gained over the years, and uh, I'm sure you'll be able to put it into good use with the with the company shortly. So, just uh, again, keep your head up. And and I'd like to contribute that um, you know work on your resume, have it updated, do not embellish it um, because you will be found out. As Layton said, we. We're recruiters. We we're, we know how to find information about you. Um, but now is the time to work on your game plan. Have have that foundation ready. Have your list of companies you want to target. Um, you know, have keep a list of where you're applying, where you're interviewing, and you will actually see uh, your progression as well and realize how much work you've put into it. And you will have a sense of pride. But also, don't give up. Um, you keep going, as we say in the military, until your cheeks are in a seat. Um, and so you just, you keep going, you're going to keep going and applying and, uh, you know, think of it as dating. Um, you're, you know, you're, you're going to be courted by a company, uh, you're going to get dumped that you're going to get a lot of dumps. Um, and then you're going to have companies you're like, you, you know, you're going to dump them because it's not the right opportunity for you. So just view it as a courtship, um, going back and forth and keep an open mind of exploring different opportunities and, and keep going and you, the right one will come. Awesome, awesome advice. So I want to wrap it all up by saying we will be doing these again um, because there's way too many questions in here. Um, so look at, look out for us again, this team. I'm saying this as I volunteer everybody once again. <laughs> look out for this team <laughs> to come together to help the community. Um, we will have a link that anybody wants to, if anybody wants to apply to or you know dump their resume, put their resume out there for us to take a look at for our various opportunities that we are all connected to. We're gonna provide a link in the chat in the, um, as I, I'm gonna edit this post and, and put a link on there. Uh, we will do this again soon, probably early next week, I'm thinking. Um, and 
I just want to thank everyone for all the recruiters here for your time, all of the um, all of the folks that asked questions for all of your awesome questions. So thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Thank Bye, you, everybody. Thank you. Bye.